This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gelsman gets there. Another good kick from him and here's Harden now. Hutton going past one man, finding Wagstaff. Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the uh, latest episode of the Tull and Back podcast, episode 54. I can't believe we've actually made that many. Um, you know, I thought maybe 10 it is when you think about it. Um, we're joined by Tom Griffin on today's podcast. Uh, how are you, Tom? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. How are you, Ant? Yeah, we're all good. Uh, we've got regular Nathaniel on as well. Nathaniel, are you all right? Hello. Yeah, everyone's bored of seeing Nathaniel. Um, obviously, we're, it's probably not going to be as positive an episode as it was last time. Uh, the nil-nil draw against Preston to talk about um, the bit of a travesty at Bradford. Uh, and then looking forward to, to Norwich, obviously, on Saturday, back at home. Um, so... Hopefully a bit more of a positive episode next time round. Uh, before we get started, obviously, this episode is sponsored by Six Yards Out, where you can get all your retro memorabilia, customise your yeah, phone cases, cushion covers, things like that. Uh, head over to their website, uh, get something for maybe a Father's Day present or something perfect for that. And obviously, Pearson's Bar, uh, best place to be for your pre- post-match beers at the minute. Um, try and get in some more of these Supporters Trust members are coming in there as well. You know, it's good. It's good becoming a bit of a place to go to to chat all about City on a match day. So uh, I was quite good. I didn't get to go down when I went to the Bristol game, but hopefully everybody's getting themselves down there and we'll get straight into it then. So obviously the Preston game. Overall, I think if you'd have said before the season, four points from our first two games would have probably been most people's target. We've achieved it. Um, So why is there a little bit of a sense that that game was perhaps a bit negative, Nathaniel? What do we think? Well, yeah, I guess um, a few like a month ago, I probably want, would have wanted six points because of the play, players we'd brought in. But then after pre-season, I probably would have taken one or two points because of the way we played against um, Peterborough, especially, and then also Leicester. Those were really poor results. So um, I think if the performance against Preston was a whole lot better, and if it was an exciting one-one or two-two, and the new players like the strikers, especially, had played well and scored then I think people would be uh, much happier. But it was because, really, we didn't really deserve the win or the uh, the, the draw. Um, going forward, we didn't really offer anything at all. We had the lowest expected goals in the division that weekend, um, which is, you know, pretty bad. And you never want to have that statistic. So, I mean, I'm happy with the four points and I'm happy with probably about a quarter of the performances because I think... Both halves against Preston, we were a bit rubbish. And then I think the second half against Bristol City was pretty good. Um, so hopefully we can see more like how we were in the first game. But 
the performance um, rather than the result was uh, not encouraging. And if we play like that, um, we're not going to get a, a draw this week. Mm. I think it's weird. It's weird for me because obviously, I think a good sign is that if you can play badly and still manage to accrue points on the board, then it's always a good sign because yeah. this team. But then playing have... badly isn't a good sign. No, well, yeah, well, it depends how 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 often you play badly. If it's a regular thing every week, then yeah, you're not going to accrue that many points. But in them days where we go and we're perhaps you know a couple of gears below where we should be, but still manage to come away with a point and a clean sheet. Um, you know, is quite positive majorly, but like we say, it's just the lack of attacking intent for me. Do you, do you think maybe, Tom, uh, this system, like obviously we all cried out for the three at the back last season, it gets the best out of players like Jacob Greaves, Alfie Jones is very comfortable at doing it as well, doing them like overlapping runs down the right-hand side. Um, but is this current like variation that Shotter plays, do, do you think it's it's the system we should be playing or would you like to see us maybe change it up a bit? Um, I think I do like this system, just like you said there, touched upon you know, Jacob Greaves' overlaps. I think if you play with two centre-backs, it's harder to get into midfield. I think it, you lose that with Jacob Greaves being able to drive out and Alfie Jones. Um, you lose that sort of flexibility, whereas um, with three centre-backs, you've got that. Uh, but in terms of the midfield, I think you know in previous seasons, we've been, we had more of a balanced midfield, whereas I think now, I think we're lacking in terms of a bit of height in midfield, a bit of strength. I think I'd love to assign a hold in midfield. I mean, people have said Alfie Jones can play there, but I think I'd like to see someone else come in, uh, in you know, in the last stages of the window who can sort of dominate in, in midfield. And then that sort of takes the emphasis away from Seri because right now he's a bit the conductor in there and there's not really anyone else that can do the job he does. Whereas, like, if you get a hold of midfielder in there that has a bit of strength and power, I think, you know, we'll, we'll dominate games more, I think. Um, in terms of the football and ability we've got in the squad now, we've got two Fanseri Slater. They're all very good footballers, but I think we need a bit more a dogged player in there that's just willing to break up play. Um, yeah. So yeah, a bit of a bit of bite. I mean, that's the one thing that that I, I spoke with Gabe Sutton before the season started, and you know, as good as the signing of of Sari is and two fan, and like in terms of creativity and creating chances, there is the worry that you know we're not going to get that much out of them in, in games where we're maybe under the cosh a bit more because. We haven't got that, like you say, number six role, that that Richie Smallwood-esque midfielder that's going to go in there and break up play to allow them to have the license to go forwards. And I, I mean, I think Regan Slater did do it in bits, didn't he? Obviously, when we had him on learning league, what he played um, when Smallwood got injured, Slater stepped into that role and did very well. And like we say, Alfie Jones, I think personally, is better in that role than he is as a centre back. Uh, and when you've got Sean McLaughlin, you could maybe trial that out, but I think the way that he plays at the minute, Shotter in this system, he sort of plays the midfield flat, doesn't he? The like three, like not one's not more advanced than the other. They're kind of in a line in the middle, creating a five with the wing backs. And um, obviously, Slater's more of a box to box. Two fan probably likes to stick him, you know, in that number ten area when he gets when we've got possession. And Sari likes to come deep and collect the ball and try and get us going forwards. But <clears throat> in a defensive sense, like we say, maybe it's leaving us a little bit more open and maybe vary the the system when we're away from home to maybe incorporate maybe an Alfie Jones, like we say, in that role, just to see how it goes, see if it gives us a bit more solidity and maybe a bit more fluidity on the on the counter. Because I do think that we're a bit slow. I think the transition between the back three and then getting the ball to the forward players is a bit slow at the minute. Do you Is that something you agree with, Nathaniel? Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying it during the Bristol game the whole time that when we got the ball from the defence to the attack, we looked quite good. But... It was just the the amount of time it took for that to happen, which was a problem. 
Um, I mean, it's it's. I think it's it's early to it's too early to say because it might be. Um, yeah, I think you're you're right that if um, we can play that badly at this point in the season and get a point, then that's um, still quite a positive thing. And Seri had the most chances created um, uh, in the opening weekend. So, but then again against Preston, we, we didn't create anything. Um, I think the strikers, uh, they they both played really badly. I was a bit surprised to see them taken off at the same time together. I thought that was a bit of a negative decision. I think we could have kept one of them on, maybe had a bit more of an outlet. But I guess they need to provide the outlet. You've got these two big strikers. They should be holding the ball up better. But yeah, attacking-wise, we, we didn't have anything against Preston. So um, well, did you think that was the right decision to take them off uh, that early? Because I think Schotter said he was... Maybe after after the game, said he might have made a mistake there. Uh, Tom, you went, didn't you? What, from because from, from my, my my opinion, if 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 both of them together weren't really offering anything, then it you can kind of find the justification in taking them both off in that sense. Because if they're not offering anything in the game, you need to find a new dynamic. But um, what what was the feeling in the stands? Because I know you were there. Did you share that sentiment? Did you think it was the right substitution, or would you have kept one of them on? No, I think when you're sort of going for a game, I think I think you have to keep one of them on. Um, I, I was disappointed to see them both go off, to be fair. Um, but going back to sort of what we said about um, that holding midfield, I think the difference between us and Preston is that they was able to get the ball forward quicker and get into these dangerous areas, you know, in the box. Um, and that's how they got the shots on goal. Um and whereas with us, I think we're just too stagnant. I mean, we'll touch on it later. I mean, you know, the Bradford game, we saw it loads of times of passing the ball back and sideways instead of just moving it forward. And then as soon as you do that, you lose the, the momentum of the attack. But that's what we did well in the Bristol game. We got the ball forward. And then for some reason against Preston, we just struggled to do that. I think that may be the case of we're adapting to playing away from home, you know, sitting back a bit more. Whereas at home, I think with a bigger crowd, I think we're able to go for it more. I think we're able to mm-hmm. push bodies forward. It annoys me when we we push forward and there's no one in the box. You've got these two, mm. you know, Oscar, you've got Teta, you've got two big target men. And if you're not going to give them service, they're not going to thrive. And we know that Oscar, if you put ball in the box, there's a good chance he's going to score. He's missed a couple of chances so far. He's just the climatizer of the championship. But I think once he gets his feet on the ground, gets some service into him, I think he'll do well. But like mm. you say, I think on, on Saturday against Preston, I was disappointed to see him go off. But I think that's the manager's decision and, you know, at least we hold out for a point in the end. I mean, with those two, we've got to play their way because it's not like having a... Even when we started with Estepinion and Smith, because Smith isn't going to win any balls in the box. Having those two who were, you know, six foot four men, Estepinion scored lots of headed goals. We've absolutely got to, you know, get the fullbacks forward, get crosses in the box because that's the way those two are going to want to play. And we're not really doing that. The only chance Estepinion's really had... Um, it was that one-on-one chance against Bristol, but um, you know they've not had a proper headed chance yet, um, either of them, I think. So, um, you know, I was thinking if we were playing the system that Preston did, where all they seemed to do was cross it in um, or, or get shots off as well from outside the box, um, then we probably would have scored. So, hopefully, we get to see a little bit more of that. But I guess we're not playing with actual wingers at the moment. Um, so maybe until we go three four three, perhaps or four three three, we won't see that. 
Yeah, well, because I think this season, I think we saw last season, obviously, considering it was, you know, McCann's squad, um, that, that we maybe lacked a little in the, the attacking sense, uh, that he, Schotter incorporated the system to be very hard to score against. And, and, and mm-hmm. I think what we saw from him January onwards was that we improved a lot defensively. We were very, very hard to break down and that's continued this season. But I think we're sitting a bit too deep. I think the system, if you're going to play a three at the back, and you're going to push your wing backs on to try and create chances. You can't sit deep. Like the my biggest criticism when I was at the Bristol game was that the back three was stood on the edge of our own box, passing the ball sideways. Bristol were just staying in their half and letting us do it. So yeah. you're not going to get into a position to create chances because you're doing exactly what the opposition want you to do with that amount of team. If you're playing the three at the back system, you can overload the midfield and the wings, um, whichever side you decide to go down. Because if you're pushed up on the halfway line, all of your team is in their half. And then you've got the chance to recycle possession to your back three who were stood on the halfway line to go to the other side. You can keep pressure on. But if we're going to teams like Preston and we're sitting really, really deep, we're inviting that pressure. We've got no outlet to get out. And then when we've got the, you know, question marks over fitness for some of the new signings, I know injuries are having a, a, a big toll on the squad and we're perhaps having to play players that maybe needed an extra week or two before they were thrown into the first team. But when, when, when you've got players who are maybe, you know, a little bit behind the game. We've, we've got to be finding ways to maybe be a bit more direct, play directly to their strengths. Like you say, we need to be putting balls in the box and we we seem to dawdle with it. It, it. it gets a little bit annoying when we get to a good position out wide and you can stick the ball in the box and they pass it all the way back and start yeah. again. And you're thinking, yeah, the possession style is good and everything, but there's no point in having possession for possession's sake. The opposition yeah. want you to do that. They want you've got to be sticking the ball in the box. You've got to be a bit more direct when it calls for it, especially signing people like Estepinian and Tete, who are a bit more physical and want the ball. Defenders should be scared to play against them, but at the moment they're not really being worked in that way. Area, yeah. Because if you look at the balance of the squad, really, we've got a good. We were very limited as to how we could play last season because the likes of Honeyman, you know, was our, our main creative outlet, and then you've got the likes of Longman, KLP, Fleming, etc., whoever played in the wing back positions, that you know could put a decent ball in, but, but didn't really, because we didn't have that option in the box for it. Uh, but this season, you've got both Coyle, Fleming, when he comes back from injury, which I also think has a big part to play in, maybe not so many balls mm-hmm. being put in the box, because we've got Aliar, who's on his weak foot on that side. Yeah. Uh, but when you've got these players, you can either whip the ball in, or you've got like your more incisive, breaking the backline pass player like um, Ozan Tufan or Sari who can play a cheeky ball. We've got variation to where we can play and be dangerous all over the pitch. So it's probably just a matter of waiting for players to get up to speed with the game, like we say, acclimatised to this league and get used to the physical demands of it. But the, the I think the most frustrating thing is obviously at the minute that we're not really looking dangerous in attacks, barring like, you know, the second half against Bristol City. We've looked quite poor even towards the end of the pre-season. We, we just look like we're stagnating the ball in the middle of the park and not really creating anything. And it's probably frustrating for the strikers. And um, it's just how we change that, I suppose. Um, do we think we've seen our uh, strongest 11 then, Tom? Or do you think there's still a few players to come back into this? Um, I think in the Bristol game, I thought um, if you put Fleming in there instead of Alia and then put uh, switch Alia up front for Smith, yeah. I think that's close to our strongest 11. And give you draft cynic into things, see how he plays. I mean, it's hard to tell so far because a few of our signings, you know, you've got Triore, who's not even been announced yet. He could have changed things. And cynic, we don't know what to expect from cynic yet either. Um, you know, so I think with the current system we're playing, three at the back with, you know, three midfield as well, I think 
the squad that we saw against Bristol was close to all first eleven. So, yeah, yeah. I think they're saying out there that they're expecting another three signings. Um, I think uh, Pelkas is the one who's been mentioned as well, and uh, I love I him. He's... He, yeah. He'd have that. Well, I I would love if we signed him because he seems to have that you know creativity that we seem to be needing at the moment. Can't admit I know anything about him. To be fair, I've not known no. much about most of the signings that we've made, and I'm not. But it looks good on YouTube, so you know that's me. So well, yeah, the old YouTube videos. Everyone looks like Ronaldo, don't they? Until they come. Um, got our first comment of the day. Wacker, lucky to come here with a point. I, I, Yes, I agree, but I think, like we say, it's the fact that we did come away with a point and a clean sheet, which is, um, considering we've got another three or four gears to step up, I think is is obviously a good sign. Uh, like we say, maybe try to play a bit more progressively, try and probe a bit more and ask a few more questions, especially away from home, um, see where we go. Um, we'll move on to um, the Bradford game then. Uh, did you go did to that one, Tom? Yeah, I, I went to the Bradford game, yeah, unfortunately I did. To give us a, a, a basic summary if you're feeling up to it, well, you know, I'm allowed to swear on this. <laughs> yep, oh, yeah, it was fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, you can fill in for Will. That's it. You, you were lucky to watch it on TV, I think it was just so frustrating. Um, we saw analysis on analysis on um, uh, Twitter. Um, I think uh, you must, I think you follow him, JP Page. I think he does the analysis from Opta. Yeah, he mm-hmm. analysed the game and there's so many times in, in the clips that he, he showed that uh, we just passed the ball backwards and sideways too much. You get into a promising position midfield and we're like Cannon, Wilkes, and they'll just go back and you just lose the momentum. Um, uh, first 15 minutes, we started off quite you know strongly and then just after that, I just capitulated. You know, There was that spell before half-time where they just got two quick fire goals and then we had no answer for them. And considering quite a few of our first-team players are playing in that match, it's quite concerning. You know, the likes of Oscar came on and we didn't we didn't feed him and, and then Tetter obviously came on and played out wide. And you see we saw it years ago with you know the likes of El Mohammed who used to just be like a, a wide wide player. We'd knock the ball up to him, he'd wing the knock ons and we'd create so much from that and not once did like the ball. Up to as well, I think. Yeah, Irvine as well. Literally what you not once did we kick it up to Tetter to knock down. Look, you, you you're struggling in a game. Surely we should have just gone direct or two Tall striker. I thought that was why he was on the wing. I thought that the reason it would be because it's easier for him to, you know, win a header in that position against a fullback, perhaps. But then they just didn't do that. Yeah, it was ridiculous because you want him in the box, really, don't you? Uh, You don't want him on the wing. So that was a really strange one. The thing Um, is, what happened was um, we was against a League Two team, and what they did was they spoiled it. They're not not a good football inside. And when you play against a team like that, you've got to inject your own impetus on the game. You've got the more quality players like a two fan. You've got four players at like Oscar and you know your fullbacks that are meant to go up and down and provide a bit of quality, but not once to provide that quality. We got into positions where we could have crossed, we didn't. We got into shooting positions in the box, we'd take a pass out wide. All these things culminated into that loss. And it's quite concerning when you play against Bradford and you lose, but it's one of them where if you don't um sort of stamp your authority on a cup tie early on, the hearse are obviously go, even though it went one 0 up. The Hurst are going to sort of get encouraged by how we're playing, and then that's how they scored the two goals. And we had no reply to them, which is quite concerning, really. Mm. It's the same with Peterborough. We just crumbled in like a five-minute spell. We conceded two goals, um, so that's you know really not helpful when you concede one, and rather than being able to get to half time, you go and concede another one. Because I think that the I mean the two away performances we've had, and then Peterborough that was away. 
I'm hoping that it's not going to be like that with the home crowd on Saturday. Hopefully that will push them on a bit. But I guess last season we were so good away from home, nicking those late winners. So maybe they were hoping to do that um, against Preston. But uh, yeah, against Bradford, you've got to be stamping your authority on it. And uh, I thought we would be able to do that when we scored because that was a good move, actually, looking back at it. Um, a bit of uh, you know misfortune and also fortune with the own goal, but then the great save. Um, but yeah, so um, I think Schotter was right to be very disappointed with that again in the press conference afterwards. Yeah, I think the biggest problem is, obviously, we know from cup ties, if you're playing against a team that is in a lower league than you um, and, and don't possess the same footballing quality in terms of, like, you know, let's combine, like, you know, two fan compared to one of their centre midfielders, they're going to want to drag you down to, to the standard of play that they want to, you know, they want to make you feel uncomfortable. They want to make you feel as though you've got no time on the ball. And I thought very, very comfortably, like we said, the first 15, 20 minutes of the game, we sort of just passed them off the park. We had something like 70, 71% of the ball. Couldn't get anywhere near us. And that sort of superiority, that that complex that our players had, you know, like, you know, they passed it around with such confidence. We looked dangerous, but didn't really ask that many questions in terms of chances. Like, you know, we had all the ball, but they probably had the better chances on the counter. And we won until obviously like two fan, which was very very similar to the chance he had against uh, Bristol. Um, I, I recognise that, that yeah. shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, until he did that, um, there wasn't really much that we did uh, in terms of you know having shots on goal, especially which is the worry for me. If you're playing against a team that's you know a couple of leagues below you, you should be you know creating a lot of chances in my opinion. Um, yeah, if you miss them, that's a, a different thing. But you've yeah. got to at least create them. You've got to be testing the goalkeeper. You've got to be asking questions of them regularly. And I don't think we did that. And um, it just all comes back to that, you know, possession for possession's sake. If we're just passing the ball around the back in the middle needlessly and not doing anything, and that's not even going to benefit us, is it? Because I just want to see us be a bit more direct, maybe change it up a bit. I, I don't know if Shot has been told to, you know, try and incorporate a more possession-based style of play. But um, with, with the players that we've got, um, we just need the ball up in their half and the rest will happen. Because at the minute we're just kind of we're getting into decent positions, and like Tom said, we're turning around and and, and, and passing it back. And you know, maybe you know Andy Cannon, I thought worked really hard, uh, but his distribution was quite poor. A couple of couple of breakaways, you know, where he slowed it down. Um, and it's it's he wasn't been, it's our worst player, but he, he was wasn't pretty, our worst player. I don't it think was it was dire at times. Like yeah, the the ambition and the uh, the determination, the energy was there. But he just hasn't got the quality to back it up, I think, with his with his passing. Um, and then um, the less said about Wilkes, the better. I was going um, to say. Should we bring we... back Wilkes' corner from last season? Let's have we've a moan had, about Manic yeah. Wilkes for five minutes, we, shall we? we? We've not had a good rant about Malik Wilkes on this podcast yeah. in a while because he's not played. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Tom because he's a he's an independent. It's a new idea. A new so um, Malik Wilkes obviously is being pursued by Sheffield Wednesday. Um, we know the talent he had. He scored 20 odd goals in League One. We know how good he can. There's a player in there. That's what we always there said. A, there's a player in there, but we're just not seeing it. What are you? What are your thoughts on Wilkes? Do you want to keep him inside? Would you rather see him gone? You know. Um, I think I, I did want to give him a second chance, but on the basis of that cup performance, it just it look, to me it looks like he's put on a bit of weight. I think you look you, yeah. try, you look at him scaring up a guy. Going with the opposition, and you just, he's just too big to get past. I don't know. It's just, 
When really, we say like, there's a, the a player in him, it looks like if he's so, eaten one. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this squares up a player and you just know he's not going to get past. He's meant to be a winger and he's built like an NFL player. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, and his first know. touch was dreadful. You let the ball yeah. go out of play. So, I think I'm retracting my previous statements. I don't think there's a player in there anymore. So sell him to Schiffer Wednesday. You know, Nick one is his level. You know, is I'm it a... maybe a case of the that he maybe just doesn't want to be here? And you know, because well, to why me, would you be? He's not going to play much, is he? No, but he could. But that that's that's your attitude, isn't it? A player will then either decide when they see a situation like this to, you know, fight for their place in this. Like Greg Dockey, who came out in summer and said, you know, we've made a lot of midfield signings, but I'm going to try and nail down a starting position this season, or. You're going to do go the route of Malik Wilkins and be like, I'm not, I'm not that bothered. Someone else will sign me. Um, it's just, it is frustrating because, like we say, we know how good he can be. Uh, we've seen it. And then the, the the stockiness thing started last season, didn't it? We, we all mentioned about how it sort of changed his build at the beginning of last season, changed mm. his playing style, where he was a bit maybe quicker, pacier, facing the goal, trying to take his player on, cutting inside, having chances. But now he plays with his back to goal and tries to almost play as a, as a hold up player. And mm. That's not his style, and, and do it successfully, does he? Really? No, he don't do it. He's regressed. Not... Yeah, he has regressed, and I and I think that's why we're not seeing the best version of him because he's trying to be a player that he's not, and he just mm. needs to, you know, go back to what he did best and and start, you know, being that dangerous player out wide that's always looking to ask questions of his fullback and getting behind, rather than playing with his back to goal and playing it backwards. And and like we say, when you haven't got the the close ball, can, well, the first touch that that Malik Wills has got where it's almost a trampoline on his left foot. Then. If he was in the box with those touches, he would have scored a hat-trick. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there'd have been good shots, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah. If anyone, obviously this episode is live, so if anyone is watching and you've got your thoughts on Malik Wilkes, because I think um, as a fan base, I'm quite interested to see where everybody's heads are at with Wilkes. Do comment and say, got, I mean, we've uh, got one in the a comment. Yeah. Gabe Ramirez says, terrible attitude. I hope he's talking about Wilkes and not one of us. <laughs> it could um, what I want to say about Wilkes is that it's disappointing seeing how he's, he's turned to now. I think you look, you saw him in League One, the instinctive finishing. Mm. I mean, you see that hat trick against Wigan. Um, you know, it's, mm. it's just disappointing to see the downfall. I think if if you got rid of the attitude, we've seen it time, you know, time and time again in the past with the likes of other players, you know, Hatton Ben Arthur, he let the attitude get in the way of his ability, and that's what Wilkes is doing. I mean, he's still only 23, so he's still got time to turn it around, but. I see his future being elsewhere away from City. I think with the, the direction we're taking, you know, the signings we're making, I think he's, you know, that Bradford game was a real chance for him to, you know, show that he was he's capable of breaking into this championship squad. But I think he's only done the opposite and just shown, oh, look, he's, he's a League One standard player now. And that's just the sort of direction he took. I mean, when we first signed him, um, you know, he, he was one of the shining lights in that relegation, you know, towards the end of the season. He scored, you know, that vital goal he scored against Middlesbrough gave us hope. I think he scored like five goals in about 17 games. I mean, it's not the most impressive record, but out of the rest of the squad, I think he was one of the standouts. And, you know, it's just disappointing to see that he's not really pushed on from that, apart from obviously in League yeah. One, but, you know. It's it's, it's thing as well, because like the Barnsley fans didn't like him and they, they were all saying stuff about, you know, his attitude stinks and whatever. And then he, he played a blinder for us, like you said, towards the end of that season and in League One. And we're all wondering, you know, maybe... Maybe he just wasn't a fit at that club, but then now we're starting to see what maybe they saw. And 
Yeah. It, it's worrying because, you know, like we say, he's 23, time is on his side, but he's at a point now where he, he should really be establishing himself in a team and being a regular. Um, you don't want to be jumping clubs every two, three years. You see it with the likes of uh, Ben Woodburn at the minute is a good example to use. Um, Nathaniel's favourite player. Um, <laughs> he's only 21, 22, but he's been at, you know, so many clubs and that huge potential that they have, kind of like you never really see it. Um, trying to think of a recent one for us. Cameron Stewart was similar. He had that yeah. burst out, didn't he, under Nick Barnby, and then you never saw an out of him again. It's it, these these very technically gifted players. I think just thrive off. Um, it, they're all it's all confidence. I know most players' performance levels of confidence, especially when you're an attacking player. Um, but if you have the correct attitude, your form always comes back. But with Wilkes, it, it's not going to come back unless he really knuckles down and works at it and. Whether that be here or somebody else, I personally think it's going to be elsewhere, especially if we're looking at bringing in two or three more players. You can't be uh, shifting performances like that against lower league opposition and expecting to stay and fight for your place. If we're bringing in wide players, especially like Pelkas and Randell Williams can play there if needs be. And, you know, I, if the price is right, obviously, I'd, I'd, I'd let him go uh, personally. But um, it's just a waste, and it? It's a frustrating waste. So going, back to the, going back to the um, Bradford game, I've got a question for you both, right? So, obviously, yeah. Mark Hughes is in Bradford's dugout. Mm-hmm. How much of an impact do you think it is that Mark Hughes managing Bradford, like, how much of an impact do you think he had on that game compared to Shorter? Look, we've seen Mark Hughes manage at the very top, you know, manage Man City Blackburn in the past. And I think the quality, the difference in quality between the two managers showed on that on, on that game. I think, not necessarily the quality of manager, but I think Mark Hughes' knowledge of the lower leagues Mark Hughes' knowledge of English football. I think that was the difference in the end. I think they went 1 0 mm-hmm. down. They could have easily capitulated, but they managed to come back. And obviously, Mark first, managed. Yeah. yeah. It's his first cup, action. cup game, exactly. So, you know, yeah. of course, Mark Hughes is going to know more than him. He's, he's won three League Cups as a player. That was a stat they showed. Um, so, yeah, um, I think he got um, the game plan right and Schotter didn't really. Um, and then uh, he'd look very disappointed talking to Aliar after the game. And I mean, hopefully, you know, after these th- this week, especially, the players know like what the levels are. You know, you have to be better than this going forward for the ne- uh, the rest of the season. Because um, although that was you know a bad result, it is still very early. And you know, I think we, we you know at this stage of the season, after these sorts of results, we like to say give them ten games at least to see where we are. And we'll definitely need that for the fitness and the injuries alone. Um, but uh, hopefully, of course, if we play like that after 10 games, then we know that it's a, a bigger issue. But hopefully it is just the sort of thing we were thinking about before this, the season started, that they'll need time to bed in. Um, but we can still believe that or not at this stage because we don't know yet. Mm. Yeah, it's a good question, that, Tom. Um, I think, yes, definitely, because... To be successful, I think, in the English leagues, you, you have to have um, a, a, a diverse tactical range about you. You have to be able to get the best out of the players that you've got at your disposal. Steve Bruce was very good at that with us, and that's why we enjoyed so many successful years under him. The plan wasn't. He had no plan B, did he? No, but the pro- yeah, and, and the biggest criticism I, I ever had for McCann was that, yes, okay, in the fair season especially, he lost his best two players. Fair play, yeah, that's a valid point. But you have to then change the system. You have to change the way you, you're approaching games, the personnel, um, where we're 
choosing to attack. You've got to exploit your own team's strengths in that absence, find a new way to score goals. I don't think we did that. We tried to play the exact same way, even though we didn't have them. And then that's why we yeah. couldn't score goals and we just dropped down the league like a stone. League one, we saw a bit more variation in McCann. You know, he played a bit different. We were more successful, obviously winning the title, very good season. But then in the championship, you know, it wasn't until injuries imposed on the squad that forced him to change that three at the back system and we found a bit more success. And it's like, you want to see that proactiveness about a manager, not reactive, uh, in, 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 in my opinion, what makes a good manager is knowing when to change and what to change. And I think the only criticism I've got for Shotter at the minute is that, you know, late on the game when it's not working for us, substitutions-wise, um, like we say, approach-wise, you know, changing the tempo, changing the directness of the passing, it, it either comes too late or it doesn't happen. And the substitutions yeah, are a late, little bizarre. Mm. Yeah, and I just think that, like, you know, it's, it's easy to forget he didn't come into English football till January. So we're going to, I think, see a lot of these games where he's going to lack uh, in a tactical sense, um, especially in cup games like at Bradford, lower league opposition. That's an entirely new experience for him, which we'll, he will have learnt from. And uh, when it comes around to the FA Cup time, we'll probably see, you know, maybe a bit more of a serious approach to a cup game and uh, and a bit of different attitude. But it, it, it's all stuff that he's got to learn. Like he's got six months now in the bag for a championship manager experience. But like we say, in the cup, it was brand new. He's come up against a very experienced Ted who saw our weaknesses, knew his own team's strengths and, and, and used that to his advantage. Like set pieces to defend him. We were very, very schoolboy. We were very switched off, not concentrated. Perhaps a little um, nonchalant about the way we we're going with that. You know, the, maybe the where two leagues higher than you kind of um, complacency crept in and they, they didn't feel as though they need to focus as high, which is never a good sign. But um, yeah, no, that's a very valid point. And I think that's probably the 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 reason we 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 churned out such a, a poor performance in the end but do, do we have a criticism then Nathaniel do we think we should have maybe played um because I, I know a few people I put my predicted team out and not having Tete and S opinion up top it for example for example was you know we need to play him they need to get some more minutes under the belt and get a bit more match up do we think there's maybe a bit of a he should have done that played um more towards our first team to get you know that then partnerships built that that momentum going yeah, I thought that um, it would have been the perfect opportunity, really. Maybe not the whole game or maybe just the first half or the whole of the second half, maybe. Um, I wasn't too convinced. I mean, he's been good in pre-season, but I wasn't too convinced by Coville because um, that was, you know, his like sixth or something game ever in his professional career. And I would have thought that even though he's, you know, a highly rated young player, um, I wouldn't necessarily think... It, surely it's more important to give one of the strikers, um, you know, more minutes than him because Koval was brought in as an academy player. He was only really playing because of the injuries. And hopefully towards the end of the, you know, when the players are all back, he's going to be way down in the pecking order, you would have thought. Um, but I do want to mention, you know, as a nice sort of more positive thing, uh, nine championship teams played lower league opposition on the Tuesday they all lost, I and mean, then another two lost on the Wednesday games. So even though we didn't play well, um, and maybe the, the other teams performed poorly as well, we're only as bad as 11 other teams um, in our league. So that's something we can hold on to, and maybe it's delusional, but, you know, we're only as bad as them. Yeah. So I think a lot of teams are sort of unprepared still because of the um, uh pre-season being a week early because a week is you know that's a big deal in football really so maybe uh, it will still take time to uh 
to um, get better. But hopefully we do play a whole lot better immediately on Saturday because, you know, we don't we don't want it to become a trend. Mm-hmm. Are we... Um... I mean, cup competitions as a championship club is a weird one, isn't it? Because it's very rare. Every now and again, you get one side that seems to do very well and go quite far, but realistically, I'm going to win it. So, you know, there's always that we can focus on the league kind of attitude thing. And and like you say, that start about all these championship clubs losing to lower league opposition where, you know, the money for progressing is is a bit more of an incentive because it doesn't really... Championships in that weird area, isn't it, where the money doesn't really isn't big enough to be an incentive to to continue through the the competition but you're also not going to win it so it's kind of like an extra game i uh, think so maybe why maybe we should be in the um you know league one league two and the championship should have the uh what is it the papa john's trophy maybe because surely championship teams would care more about that perhaps because we don't really have a huge amount of chance in the other ones to progress further really yeah i guess really any cup yeah i guess any cup any cup to a championship team is unnecessary because as you said not going to really care about the the money you get from it and you're not really going to win it i'd perhaps say that the carabao cup being the league cup um should perhaps just be for every team out i every team outside the premier league and then the Premier League can be in the FA Cup one because they have the Community Shield in Europe and that's competing as well. So the Premier League teams would probably like not having to have the extra games of the, the well, Carabao they, Cup. They all complain about it and they all play their, yeah. they all make 11 changes, don't they? Yeah. So perhaps have that as just like literally the Football League and then um, the Premier League can have conjoining in the FA Cup and etc. Good idea, Ant. We're, we're solving, yeah. solving all of football's issues tonight. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll 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 put my number on the tweet EFL. You can uh, you can get in touch in the morning. We'll discuss what we can do with that that, that cup competition. Um, are, are you wounded that we've gone out the cup then, Tom? Or are you quite happy for us well, to just I, be able to just I, I, the league? I mean, I'd like a cup run, but I think championships the first and yeah, sort of focus really. Who played? Blackburn, Blackburn, Blackburn at home as well. So it's not really the shambles derby. Yeah. He scored as well, I think, in the cup did Dak. Um, but they've signed Smodix, haven't they? So I think he's going to have a bit of a lesser part to play this season. Uh, just got a comment him. from... Could have got him. Gabe Ramirez. Yeah. Not being able to see every game live in the USA. How do you feel about Richie Smallwood? Pretty sad to have uh, our last captain come back and captain a League Two uh, team and beat us. Yeah, he did about, uh, just about everything but scored. Any Smallwood, I think he did have a good game. Smallwood's one of these, isn't he? Uh, like I've said before, Ian Ashby was very similar when he was here. The amount of people that used to phone in on BBC Radio one beside after a game and criticise um, Ian Ashby um, was amazing. And then you think about, you know, every single City fan now heralds him as a legend and has now put good words to say about him. Smallwood's similar, I think. He was definitely one of our best performers last season. Does the ugly side of the game, wins the ball back, um, allows the more creative players like Honeyman to do something with the ball. Uh, something that I think we're desperately missing this season. I, I wouldn't have been um, upset if we kept Smallwood to do that role again. If the option is there to obviously sign a higher caliber of player to do that role, um, then ob- absolutely we need to be going for that. Uh, but I do think that, yeah, small would drop into League Two was definitely a surprise. Um, I definitely felt he was going to go to League One or a Rotherham, somebody like that. Um, very big coup for Bradford. I think he'll do very well in that league. Um, what, what, what were your thoughts on? Um, Smallwood then, Tom, because I, I know we've, we've spoke about him quite a bit on the podcast last season. He was a very divisive topic in 
Hull City mm-hmm. Twitter. But uh, what was your thoughts on him? Yeah, I really liked him as a player. Um, he got stuck in. He did the dog, you know, the hard work, the dogged displays that we're sort of missing from this team currently. I think he was sort of an underrated figure in the team. I mean, there was times where, look, you saw him, you know, make a straight pass from six yards and stuff like that. But that's not really his game. We knew that his game was just breaking up play and keeping it simple. And, you know, when he sometimes attempted them 30-yard passes, he wouldn't execute them. But that's, you know, why we brought in the likes of Seri now, because that's an improvement. I mean, you've lost, we've lost, like, Honeyman, who was a very important figure last season. Keen Lewis Potter was a very important figure. And Summer Small was attributes were very important, like his leadership and his ability to break up play. So there's three important players that we've lost. And we've not, in my opinion, we've not really replaced them. Yes, we've replaced other areas of the squad. You know, you've brought in Lexus Seri, you know, you've brought in Figueredo, who was actually a very important figure at the back. But we've mm-hmm. not replaced them fully. Like Keen Lewis Potter's goals, do, do you think... Anyone in, do you think anyone in the squad this season is going to eclipse twelve goals? Longman, uh, I'd, I'd like to imagine that Esther Pinion, when fully fit, will be um, around the ten fifteen goal mark. Um, he should. Yeah. Al- Aliar seems to be um, the rare bright light at the minute in an attacking sense, yeah, despite yeah. playing in left. No end attack. product. I think if he gets um, a solid run of games as part of a front two, I think he might start picking up a few goals and go on a bit of a run. Um, can we just clone him? Can we just clone him? Having up front and then yeah. having a left back as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I have two yeah. of them. Yeah, but I think when Fleming, I do think that Brandon Fleming's absence is having a, a, a big impact on the squad at the minute because I do think that we're missing how. Yeah. Um, you Not know, balances be really. No, like you know, with him being a left foot, if you've got if you're playing wing backs, I think it is important to have your natural footers on that side so they can put the ball in the box. Because if they want to cut inside, you've got your midfielders there for them to give the ball to anyway. Um, I know, I know we, we kind of found success in this with Longman and, and KLP cutting inside, but that was more of a surprise, I think, because we obviously were playing the 4 3 3 every week. We caught teams off guard. Um, and then later on in the season, you know, Longman especially, performances dropped quite a bit because teams found him out. And, you know, Randall Williams, similar against Bradford, they knew he was always going to cut in on his left. And when they, when they know that and they can predict you every time, um, you, you kind of get left you, forced out of the game, really. And Brandon Fleming's ability to sort of be that dynamic up and down the wing defense and attack contribution putting the ball in the box um along with coil who's who's been putting some very good crosses in at the minute um i think we'll start to see a bit more chances being created um especially with aliar up top i think aliar and uh esther pinion's probably going to be our, our first choice front two i would imagine but yeah i do agree that we've I not really we'll replaced playing three four three though i think that's another debate or four three three because I think Aliar and Cynic have been brought into play as wingers and you're not going to drop one of them, I would have thought. So, um, you know, I still don't even think we're playing the formation we will be. But either one has yeah. issues because the 3-4-3, three, three, allegedly it, the midfield two in that will surely be Seri and Tufan. And then is that good enough defensively without Slater? So either one. Uh, I mean, I, I sort of agree with that. Obviously, I'm not trying to be too clever that if someone doesn't score more than 12 goals, that's what Gabe Ramirez has said. But we did get promoted in 2013 with top score of nine. So it just depends. If they all chip in, we'll be fine. But um, And hopefully that'll be the case because we were reliant on Lewis Potter. But um, yeah, uh, you know, one of the strikers better score soon. Otherwise, I'll be booking it. I do disagree with I the think- Aliar point. I think we brought him in, obviously, in the January transfer window and we, he played up front with Keno. I think if he was going to yeah. be a winger, Charlie would have switched. But I do see a point he can play in that out wide, but I think, essentially, I think that's where he's going to be most dangerous. 
we've seen that he's Maybe. got a cross ability from wing back. And what does that say about Callum Elder, where we're getting playing a striker at left mm-hmm. wing back instead of him? Oh, yeah. It says quite a lot. And then even on Tuesday night, Callum Elder, he was one of our horror players. I mean, how many times is he getting a crossing position, not once pick out a play? I mean, but you can forgive him for not getting an assist, but surely when you're crossing a ball, at least beat the first man or at least not just cross out a player. It's just, just very frustrating considering, you know, in the league one season, he got seven assists and, you know, you, you thought, look, he got a bit more crossing ability in that, but clearly not. And obviously a lot of people don't like Callum Elder. I mean, I'd put myself in that list as well, to be fair, but I'm not someone that wants, wants him to die. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully no one wants yeah. him to die. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, yeah, but it's, it's also not beyond the realms of full city Twitter, is it? Yeah. Uh, but let, let's, I think that because this point, because I was going to obviously try and uh, ask you guys about Jacob Groove's situation as well. So I think this kind of ties into what, you know, losing Honeyman and KLP, I think, um, I don't think the club expected. I think they probably knew that they were going to have struggle to hold on to KLP, especially, but the Honeyman one, I think, caught them off guard. Because um, I think that the signings that we've made midfield wise look as though they were meant to be in addition to Honeyman. Um, there's a very yeah. big George Honeyman shaped hole in the middle, I think, that um, we've yet to plug. Um, and the KLP one, I think realistically, Ajin always knew he was going to lose him, which is why the likes of Pelcast, Cynic, people like that were signed. Because um, they're obviously probably, well, hopefully they'll, they'll be as good, but Pelcast. I don't think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but he's after Pelcast. Allegedly. He's after Pelcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Uh, and then you've got, you know, the Jacob Greaves situation where he's apparently turned down. Uh, how many how many offers have we given him? Two or three? At least um, two, isn't it? Yeah, but he's got the option, obviously, of a year, um, the extension that we can put on uh, if needs be, which realistically gives us the rest of the season to sort out his contract dispute um, before we, we. I think we have to worry about losing him. I don't. I I, I personally can't see Middlesbrough convincing him to leave us in this in the situation that we're in i know that they've got a lot of money from um the tavernier and jed Spence Spence, sales that that they could probably offer us but realistically we don't know what their finances like in terms of you know can is that money just going to put them back in the clear or do they have you know that breathing space to really offer us because i think you know young english 21 natural ball playing left-footed center back is going to be absolutely gold dust in it shouldn't be any less than 10 million and i don't think a championship team that without parachute payments even if they have sold these players because they sold tavernier for 10 million or something wasn't it so yeah they're not going to be spending premier league money on a championship player i don't think the only chance would be if he goes to um uh uh, you know promote a premier league team i think yeah because i think that with the majority of Premier League, well, the majority of football, to be fair, Premier League and Championship have, have tended to go down that, you know, more possession-based style of play. And Jacob Greaves, especially being a natural left-footed centre-back, Premier League clubs are going to have been watching him very closely this season and we'll probably get a huge offer for him in summer if we're not anywhere near promotion kind of thing that would be silly to get rid of him to another Championship club right now when we've only just really started, you know, this agent project and... Um, you know, the English tax always adds about five, ten million on a player, doesn't it? Let's be honest. So, um, uh, hopefully, you know, they, they get it sorted by the end of this transfer window. But if not, we definitely have the rest of the season, I think, to, to sort his contract out. Uh, do, do you think we can afford to lose Greaves, Tom, or do you think it's something that we, we absolutely need to be, you know, sorting out as quick as possible? 
Well, we can't afford to lose him in this in the current predicament. Anyway, I think if you had a replacement lined up for him, um, who was a sort of similar mould to Greaves and maybe English young, similar to him that we could bring in for a fee, then it wouldn't be a huge loss. But I think currently we've got four fit centre backs, senior centre backs. Anyway, we can't we can't afford to lose him. Um, yeah, we need to sign one already. We've seen how it can impact the club before. I think Keenan's Potter's contract saga a couple of years ago was in League One. That boiled down for months and months and that impacted our performances on the field. Um, and then it wasn't until Keenan's contract was sort of uh, agreed that he started scoring goals and we sort of went on this very long and beaten run in League One that obviously got us the title. Um, so I think we, can't, we can ill afford to let the contract situation affect our performances. That's why I'd like to see it resolved very soon. Um, but mm. I don't think it's an option selling him in this window. I think, you know, we're going to extend the, we're going to do the extension, but I think we've got to sort the contracts out. And that's where we've obviously failed in the past with other players not signing them down. And that's what I hope would change in, under Adjun. But I think it's important that we get it done, mm. you know, deal either way. I, I raised the issue in our uh, group chat that this, um, this the, the contract situation, with players tends to be coming up quite often. Um, the honeyman, all he said since he's joined Millwall was the offers that he got weren't good enough. Um, got contracts to KLP, obviously turned them. Down. I know his agent probably had a big bit to do with what what KLP did, but similar instances, we said we we him deals and he chose to go elsewhere. And now Jacob Greaves is turning down contract offers. Do we think that there's the possibility that obviously and being new to owning a club, um, that he's kind of, you know, not really getting. Uh, the, the financial side of the contracts and the transfers and stuff, and he's prioritizing perhaps your your, your series and your two fans giving them big money contracts and then turning around to Jacob Greaves and only giving him like you know a small increase when realistically he probably deserves to be on similar money to them. Uh, is, is that is that perhaps a worry, Nathaniel? Do you agree, or am I being a bit too um, am I going too deep? Well, I mean. If uh, if Greaves leaves, then yeah, I think we can at least say that with Honeyman and Greaves going, um, then that would be you know a really big issue. Um, but then maybe because uh, we had brought in Troy and when they were doing the Honeyman contract negotiations, I think it was probably that Troy was probably going to play alongside, or not alongside, but they're the same position, so they wouldn't be playing together. Honeyman would probably be lower down the pecking order than Troy possibly. So maybe he wanted more game time. But yeah, it's an odd one because um, you would think that, uh, yes, you can bring in these new players, but, you know, you, any idiot could work out that if you bring in two fan on 20 grand a week, Honeyman, who, you know, maybe isn't quite as good, will want a significant increase because otherwise it's just not, it's not fair. And I did think this might happen because, you know, quality isn't really consistent throughout the squad, but... You know the contracts sort of have to be respectable to your, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, teammates. So yeah, um, but even if Greaves can sign one, then I think maybe that's just a sort of one player we didn't expect to go who's gone. So it's not a big deal. But um, I don't necessarily think he will go, uh, and um, at least we, he won't be leaving uh, for free at the end of the season, perhaps. So. Um, it's a really difficult one. I hope he signs one. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just how the, the transfer market is now. If you're a young English player, especially, or at least just have had a great season in the championship, just one, even though Greaves, Greaves was great, but he wasn't like, 
it wasn't the the best defender in the league because we you know we still conceded a lot of goals. So, but if you just have the one good season, you're immediately looking at getting a, mo- a big move because uh, you know Premier League teams can't afford to sign quality players from you know the Premier League anymore. They have to sign these younger players from the Championship and hope like you know like Brewster and um, other players like that, um, Lewis Potter, Bowen, that sort of thing. One issue, one issue I had was like before the transfer window was how signing these players were linked with like the two fan series would impact the morale of the squad. You've you touched on it there in terms of the wages. You, what I thought was when an owner comes in, you can't just suddenly just change the wage structure just for a couple of players because that in itself upsets the balance of the squad. I think. I mean, yeah. I know a football manager's not like real life, but when you if you start signing these big players and football manager. You've got you know players coming to the coming to the board saying, "Oh look, they're not happy with the yeah, money they want and stuff like that." And I think when you when the, it's an unbalanced wage structure, I think you can see why Honeyman's left because he feels the the part he played last season, you know, it was it was crucial to a staying up, and he felt that he deserved warranted a, a new contract. And I heard that I think he, he took fifteen thousand a week at Millwall. So if we're not offering him that, but we're offering like a two fan twenty k plus, you can see why he's annoyed and. You know, perhaps that is the reason why Jacob Greaves is thinking about leaving because he thinks he feels, you know, he's, he's watched one of his teammates go. Feels undervalued. Yeah, get more, get more money elsewhere, and he, he knows that the value that oh look, I can go play for a club that finished higher up last season. I know he wouldn't go Borough, but for instance, that's maybe in his thinking. But it's it's that situation where you, the squad morale is important, and perhaps Adrian and Shot are not really taking that into account. Where like. Thinking, oh yeah, it's going to slip under the radar that we're giving Seri and Tufan and these other players big money, and we're able to just sort of keep our other players happy, you know, the likes of Doherty and you know Greaves and stuff like that. But I think you know it shows that it can have a negative negative impact. So hopefully that's not the case, but it, it could be a reason in terms of why Greaves is rejecting offers supposedly. Yeah, no, I think it's easy to forget in it that um, footballers it's their job. It's their occupation, you know. If 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 you're in your if you say you work your job for three, four years, you've been one of the best employees, and then they bring in three or four new people on a higher wage than you, you'd quite likely be going up to your manager's office when you're saying, How come I'm not getting a pay rise? It's it's a similar thing. Like, you know, you if you feel underappreciated, uh, you you quite justifiably maybe a little bit miffed off that the, these are the players who really haven't contributed that much, um, have come in and getting paid more than you and um, hopefully Greaves gets the money that he deserves. I think um, I've, I've, I forgot to mention some of Will's comments on, on each of the topics, but um, all Will said on Jacob Greaves is uh, pay Greaves the damn money he wants. So, you know, it's, it's, it is a case of the lad's gifted. He's got a legacy, obviously, with Mark Greaves being a football player as well and uh, for us. And it's just... <laughs> He's, he's, he's steadily improved every season. You know, he was at Lona uh, in League Two and then he played for us in League One. He's played for us in the Championship and he's got better every year. And if he car- carries on at that tra- tra- trajectory, <laughs> he's going to end up being a Premier League footballer and we'll get a big sum of money for him. So um, the investment in him in this contract to me would only make sense because you're only going to get that money back and more if we end up selling him in the future, if we're not already in the Premier yeah. League ourselves. So um, it, it's, it's, it's a worthy investment that the club really should be be trying to nail down as a priority before the end of the window, definitely, because the speculation, like Tom said, is is just going to, you know, disrupt maybe any momentum that, you know, maybe tearing his head and maybe his agent starts pecking in his ear. And the, the last thing we want is somebody as consistent as Greaves to, you know, 
maybe have his head turned and his performance drop below his usual seven or eight every week. So um, hopefully it's resolved quite soon. Uh, we'll move on to the Norwich game then because we've talked a bit. Um, actually, we'll we'll talk about this one comment first. Uh, FFP, did you guys listen to Adjun on Talksport? Because I didn't. Oh, I meant to. Because no, um, I, I believe he spoke about the FFP and where we stand. I, I, I'm, I'm oh, it's great sure. we have the the uh, information then, and that we yeah, all listen yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, I, I I do remember a tweet I think saying that some uh, he said that he, we were quite close to being as far as we can Reach be in it. terms of spending. Um, but I don't understand that because I mean. We aren't over it at all, are we? We're not like we are not spending more than we have. But other teams do that all the time. Then they have huge losses, and they still get away with spending the money. Like they're in trouble later. So you but know, F- um, FFP, I think Wex. It, I'm not going to pretend I know the ins and outs of it. As far as I'm aware, FFP Wex is it over a three year period. So if the end hmm. of that three year period is this season it becomes under your profits. You're not allowed to make a loss of more than X amount over this period of time. And mm-hmm. I think what's kind of gone under the radar is the amount of money we've paid for each of the players. I know that like we're spending about three or 4 million, I think on each of them, aren't we? So if you take it into account, the bigger wages of Sari, and, and I know we sold mm-hmm. KLP for 16 million. So that kind of nullifies any of the transfer fees we spent, but it, it'd be interesting to see what our wage totals at. Um, I think obviously we're, we're charging less for memberships and stuff. Uh, kids are going in for free, so maybe we're making less on a match. Well, we can't really be making less than a match because we had about nine thousand in, didn't we? I don't know. It's strange. We'll have to see if we can get Kieran Maguire on, won't we, to <laughs> to explain yeah. it all? Uh, price of football. Well, I might drop him a message see if we can get him on and, and explain it all for us. But it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's strange. I mean, he'll be well aware, Adjun. He'll be made aware by the alarms yeah. about you know the, the financial. So keep mentioning it. Yeah. So he must be aware of what he's doing, and and if, if if we're close to it, then you can imagine maybe um, we might drop our asking price of Wilkes, for example, just to just to start seeing it. Yeah. I, I think we are in talks well to sign that Watford um, fullback yeah, Gakia. Yeah. and Gak and Gakia, and then also uh, that mystery number ten midfielder. So there must be a little bit little bit more money to spend because we want to sign permanent players. So. But I think we we can't do many more. Yeah. I don't think the, the Ngakia one surprised me because it's apparently a permanent, and I yeah. thought it'd be a loan. Um, I'm surprised they don't want him, but it's I strange because obviously we don't know what's happening with Josh Emmanuel yet, do we? Um, yeah. Which is a shame because um, he'd, he'd he'd be perfect for the system, as we keep saying. It's a shame that we don't. I yeah, mean, hopefully, hopefully, whatever happens, he's 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 I don't, better. I think Louis Coyle defensively is great, but. I think Manuel going forward, what he would have brought, you know, that it's just what he brings out wide, the pace, the power. That's what we're lacking. I think this is one thing I wanted to touch on as well is that we're lacking that pace. I think, um, yeah. and that's Especially why we're struggling in transition. And like in midfield, I think Slate is not quick, Seri's not quick, and Tufan's not really a quick player. And then you've got, um, I'd say like Longman, who's not currently playing because he's injured. I think he, I'd say he's quite quick. You've got a few quick players, but not. Yes, play Longman. <laughs> but where would you play Longman as a wing back or up top? Because uh, we're not playing with wings. No. I'd go as a wing four, back to do that, right? Three, four, three, and play him on the wing. But if you play him as a wing back, you're playing him instead of Coil, which I don't think is the plan considering he's captain this season. 
unless he plays on the left hand side, but then uh, he's a right footer, and he so we just got a similar situation. Well, I mean, Longman in left wing back and Aliar up top might be something worth trying while Fleming's out, but hopefully Fleming comes back soon because that natural width would be all right. Yeah, um, I'll mention uh, Will's comment about um, the Bradford game before we move on to Norwich because um, he'll kill me if I forget to. Remember. Is it just lots of uh, you know, swearing? There's a cut, there's I think there's one. One swear word in it. Only so one. Back to Will. It's better, yeah. It's better. He's improving. Uh, he basically just said, "Bradford, pretty shite. Uh, we looked fine until the equaliser. Then they looked like they didn't want to be there. A couple of the players should probably never play for us again." Uh, in brackets, Wilkes. Um, I think some <laughs> fans acting like uh, we're already a disaster uh, are being absolutely. We're going down. Shot around. Judge, judge after ten games, not three. Um, which you know. Is probably got a good point. And then before we move on to Norwich, he said it's going to be a tough game, but they've not been amazing yet, although it might happen eventually. Uh, optimistically going for a 1-1 draw. So with the Norwich game, I think it's, it's you know, the relegated Premier League team, they've obviously got a lot of cha- talent in their squads. I expect them to be up amongst the top four challenging the almighty promotion this season. Um, like we say, they've not perhaps started as well as they want to, but it, it's only a case, I think, of if, uh, when, not if, um, that they start to find their groove and hopefully it's not against us um so team selection wise uh tom you're the manager what are you doing against norwich i think i'm going back to um the first game but switching aliar actually i'd just go the same start starting levels bristol city to be fair apart from smith out and bring tetter in, Tetter in. Mm. so that's the same starting 11 as preston you mean yeah, yeah. same starting 11 as preston yeah so okay. I'd, I'd go with that to be fair. What about you, Nathaniel? You make um, change well. Well, I think we'd be a whole lot better if we had Fleming, but we don't have Fleming. And Elder, yep. I can't say I can't say we'll start him because I'll get you know murdered. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess I don't know really whether that front two. I mean, I was excited to see it, but I'm not really sure uh, that front two of strikers really works. I'd want to get, well, then I say I want to get Aliar up there with him, but then who's going to play at wing back? So, yeah, I guess it just has to be the same as the last game and hope we play better at home. But because of the injuries um, and the players that have come back from injury aren't the players I'd start anyway. Um, So I guess it does have to be the same, but I don't really want to say that because I don't think it will work. Have we got have we got Greg Doherty back or is he still out? He's he's injured for like a few weeks, so oh, is he? Yeah. so yeah. he's going to be a miss because I thought he looked good when he came on against Bristol. I uh, think he's I, rapid, so I'd say I I, I was thinking um rather than Harry because I really like Slater. It's hard, mm. isn't it? Because Regan Slater has has, has kind of gone under the radar so far this season. He's been very tidy on the ball. Well, you and, keep and, mentioning him, so I don't think so. Yeah, uh, really good. Um, a lot of Twitter mentioned him a lot as well. And yeah, obviously true. chanting in the stand, 50 grand, 50 grand. Really yeah. nice. We, we so, can't see you anymore, by the way, Tom. I'm going to take my light on one minute. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I think um, the team I'd go with would be um, the same team as... No, I would play Estepinion and... I was waiting to do that for ages, but I was like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'd play Estepinion and Aliar up top, and I would try Randell Williams as left wing back because he's naturally yeah. left-footed, isn't he? So, he... um, yeah, he's a left footer. He plays on the right hand side. Yeah, yeah. Why haven't uh, we done that yeah, before? That too, I don't know why we haven't done that before, but um, that's what I would do. Uh, yeah, I would oh, right. a natural width. Um, 
Williams has got a good cross on him. He had a lot of assists when he was a Exeter player in League Two and obviously League Two level. But uh, we need that quality of delivery now. We need somebody who can put the ball on the plate for the strikers. And we've got a bit of a variation up top in that because Aliar's quite, you know, he's, he's more of a uh, more of a maverick. He's, he's he's more of a he'll run at the defense, try and create chances kind of player. Uh, and Estepinion looks a bit more of a threat in the air. Um, hold the ball up style striker so we've got that good balance there if we can get the ball in from either side with Coyle and Williams uh, start asking some more questions defensively I just think I want to see us have more shots I want to see that that shot tally get higher um, go for it yeah. yeah I'm not bothered about the possession start I don't want to see us have 65% of the ball yeah. but only three shots across 90 minutes because there's no point is there uh, chances win your games goals win your games um, I'd like to see us maybe be a bit more direct uh, w- would we take a point as a point and accept yeah. result against 100%. Norwich yes yeah. I'd take four uh, lads. I'd take four points from the next three to be honest and that's you take four obvious. points from Saturday no four we'll points take... from the next three matches ah yeah, yeah. it's going to be a tough three games flexible. yeah because I even think three points to be fair even three points from the next three games I think that's keeps you ticking over it's yeah. winning two it's winning two losses I guess but... yeah. three as long as you're not else. losing as long as you're not losing, you keep picking up the odd point every game yeah. or something like that. It just it helps you keep that momentum and, and positivity, I suppose. Um, performance levels, I'd like, to, like we said, I think um, I think we can all agree we, we want to see us be a bit more attacking, uh, maybe shift the system a bit higher. Um, you just because the Bradford game was just such a pain to watch. I mean, you say it was probably better that I was watching it on the telly. I was watching it at work, surrounded by Leeds fans, so it, it, was, yeah. it was not fun. It was not fun for me at all. Um, it was fun when we went 1-0 up and then as soon as we went 2-1 down, it was a very troubling experience. But um, it's, I just think we still haven't seen this exciting on the front foot football that we were promised when Shotty was hired in yeah. January. Yeah. Um, which, Not against Swansea last, se- yeah. last season. Yeah, yeah, that's that, the that, only that, time that we've seen it. Like, For the first 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. That was I mean, unreal. Like, where's that incisive, fast, one-two touch gone? Like, why? I, I, I said it last season, but we could kind of justify it by saying we didn't really have the players to play that style every season. And perhaps we do this season, and maybe, like we say, we're only three games in, and, and the season started a week earlier than usual. So maybe they are fitness behind where they need to be. Understanding of all the new signing uh, signings aren't, isn't there yet, so they, you know, they're not automatically knowing where each other are and being comfortable in making that pass, etc. And hopefully over the next few games and that we start to see a bit more of a uh, an attacking, confident Hull City that, that can really start asking questions of the opposition defence. Uh, shall we do um, score predictions then? Uh, I'll go to Tom first. Tom, what, what, what score are you saying? Uh, what one nil loss. <laughs> 1-0 loss. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll be a narrow game, to be fair. I think 1-0, whatever. but a decent performance. Would you be all right with that? Yeah, that's. I think the difference between us and Norwich, I think they've got the quality off the bench. I think it'll be quite a tight game. And I think later on, they'll bring on a spied sub and maybe get a winner. But I, that's just... That's what my uh, head's saying, my heart's saying. Uh, uh, 2-1 City, but, you know. Nathaniel? Um, well, on the preview yesterday, um, the uh, Adam Harvey um, kept saying that um, Norwich have had two very tight games. Uh, they've conceded two sort of unfortunate goals from a mistake and a, just one kind of fluky uh, deflection. So I think it'll be another tight game. Hopefully, I think Norwich will dominate, but I think we can maybe nick one from a set piece or something. So 
I'll, I'll do what I did, not what I did last season, and change my prediction. I'm going to keep it the same from the preview. So, 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Same as well. Uh, I think I'm going with... I don't think I've been right this season yet. Um, now I'm having to double-guess myself. I think I'm going to go for a quietly confident... Um, uh, I'll have to go for a 1-1 one, one draw as well. I, I was going to say 2-2, two, two, but I don't think we've got two goals in us yet. Um yeah. Uh, like we say, just improved performance levels. I'd take a, a, a defeat, but where we were arguably uh, deserving something from the game, just something oh, yeah. to take into the next, you know, if obviously we play well against Norwich. That's good. Isn't I'd, it? Also take, I'd also take us, uh, they have 80% possession, we have 20 and still come out with a nil nil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar to, um, I, I, I know possession wise, it was a bit more thingy with Preston, but we only had something like, I think, uh, on target, I think. One shot on target, yeah, to their like fourteen wow. or something. It was it was madness. Um, speaking of uh, Matt Ingram, um, definitely staking a claim for that number one spot. Back, comes back, yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's, he's classic. It's just been phenomenal. Uh, and then obviously new signing uh, Timothy Lotatala. Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Lutatala. Timothy. Timothy. Tim. Tim. That'll do. Not Timothy. Um, Tim. Big Tim. I, I thought he'd start against Bradford, but we must not have signed him soon enough or something. Or yeah. Obviously, Robson got the nod, didn't he? Uh, I think we've pretty much covered everything then so far. Um, there isn't anything, unless any uh, anybody watching got any comments, either of you two got any questions or anything you wanted to cover that we haven't already? Um, uh, I don't think there's much to say about this, this game on Saturday, I think. Because I think if there's players coming back, but I'm more of a... Yeah. Selection edit, but I think it's just going to be same old, really. I think just that yeah. we're playing like how we did against Bristol City, especially second half. I think that's what I mean. I think in previous seasons we've we've benefited more playing away from home with the freedom on the counter attack, but I think now it's more like because we've got the players in possession that that can sort of like control a game. You know, I think I think and with obviously the bumper crowd as well. I think you know we're better. We're going to be better at home this season. Hmm. Uh. Curse the late, late viewing. Uh, hey lads, hope you're all good. Looking forward to Saturday's game. Be interesting now. Norwich are out the prem. See how they perform. They've they've been they've been looking. They've looked okay, but I don't think they've looked. Um, I think and I watched the preview last night. He, he, even um, he was saying that you know that they're they're aware that they're perhaps not playing to the standards that they expect to yet. Um, but I think the grand census of the league is that eventually it'll click for them and they'll they'll, they'll start to go on a run. They're that classic yo-yo team, aren't they? That seem to go up to the Prem, get battered every week, but then they'll come down and win the league and um, just sort of steal all that money, that Premier League parachute money. I think on paper, though, with paper with Dean Smith, I think you'd expect him to go up, but Pook is a year older. I think that, that people expecting Pook to smash it again, but I think he's a year older now. I think he's not going to score as many goals. And that's where they're heavily, heavily relied on before. I don't think mm. it's going to be playing sailing from, as it was two I seasons ago. Yeah, as well. Yeah, I think they've lost that creativity there as well. I mean, they still got like Todd Cantwell, but he's not really. He's fallen off the face of the earth a bit. Mm. Um, he didn't really do so it. I think it is. I think if one of the out of the relegated teams, I think they're the ones. That, I think that I'm going to say it now. I think they're going to finish the lowest. I think Burnley and West Brom look really good so far. I'm not West Brom. Burnley and Watford look really good so far. Mm. Yeah. I have it the other way around. I think yeah. Watford will be the lowest, which is probably no, nonsense. I, I think that's heavily reliant on if they keep uh, Sar. Dennis and Ped, Joe Pedro. Oh. Uh, yeah. Really, Dennis they look and really Star good so far. 
Dennis yeah. and Sarah have got big offers in for him, haven't they? Dan- Dennis, sorry, for Dennis, yeah, and yeah. Sarah's leads. Yeah, well, there we go then. They probably yeah. won't keep him unless they've got a very good replacement lined up. But you know, they're like yeah. got a good mixture of like good quality flair players, and then like so the hard working grafting players like Kafka, cleverly that you sort of need to go up. So I think yeah. they've got experienced players yeah. in there that, that eventually I think will you know that experience will tell and it'll steady the ship kind of thing. Uh, guess the attendance. It was sixteen thousand six hundred. Was it against Bristol? Norwich, I think, will obviously take more away fans than uh, Bristol did. Uh, mm. Whether or not we we take a sim, I haven't seen. Um, the, I think the, the attendance stadium, is going to fall off a little bit now. But I, I don't I know. I, don't, but I think really home performances, um, even if you're winning away, I think home performances are what people remember. So I think it'll probably still be around the same. I think we'll break 17,000 with yeah. the away fans. I'm going to say 17,102. <laughs> Well, very specific. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, 7,103. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, prob- uh, uh, yeah, very similar. If we think the 16,000 was probably with, how many memberships did we sell? Was it 13,000? I guess about 13,500 or something like that, 14,000 maybe. 13,507 or something. Yeah. With them being an ex-prem team, I think some people might want to come and see. Yeah, I'm going to say around 17 and a half thousand mark, I think. The allure of Norwich City is too much to tell. Yeah, yeah everyone wants to see, um, you know, um, team of... Ian, loves com- Ian Templeman loves a good comment, doesn't he, as well? He does, he does. He's a good one. Thank you for your viewer, uh, ship, Ian. We appreciate it. And that uh, Ramirez, Gabe Ramirez as well. Yeah, me. Gabriel Ramirez does as well, yeah. Uh, Kirst is back. Uh, yeah, can't see them bouncing back up to the Prem at the end of the season. Uh, can see a City win 1-0. Yeah. Which it's City, though? I am Alia. I reckon 1-0. Even Alia will lose 1-0 if, he's, if, if anyone's going to score it. You're changing Tom's um, opinion now, Kirst. Yeah. 1-0 loss, I still think, but hopefully <laughs> we win. Own goal? Yeah. I do want one of the strikers mm-hmm. to get their first goal so they get up and running. Oh, I'm desperate. I'm desperate yeah. for that. Especially yeah. Estepinion, um, I yeah. think Estepinion or Ali, I need to get their first goal in, get them up and running, get that momentum going. Um, attendance guess is in going to go 16,732. What's with the oddly specific ones? I, I won't be able to 18 uh, plus thousand, Ian. That'd be the the biggest attendance we've seen in a league game for ages. Uh, probably like seven years. Whackers in on it, 17,000. Yeah. yeah, I think we're all in agreement. It'll probably be around the 17,000 mark uh, just because Norwich obviously are going to take a lot more away fans than Bristol will. Um, oh, so attendance-wise, uh, we all better behave uh, considering that we're probably going to be sat near the away fans again. Uh, no supporting your team and standing up and chanting and it's all naughty. I, do, I bet you sit West Ham, don't you, Nathaniel? Uh, yeah. No, Nathaniel's East. What, yeah? Yes. I was very well behaved in E8. Oh, so you practically South Stand. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm now D4. <laughs> Just off the halfway line. Uh, I'll give you that. Um, I've took me little into she, the, the only stand she hasn't signed yet is the West Stand. We've been in the South, East, and North. Um, I, I think I'll probably try and avoid the West Stand. I mean, I was practically in the West Stand for the Bristol game because we was in N1. Um, yeah. I, the smell it's of prawn sandwiches and. Yeah. Uh, the sound of champagne corks going off. <laughs> uh, so I think. <clears throat> we've practically covered everything we can. Uh, everything that to mention that that 
I kind of have to at the end. So obviously the Amber Circle uh, Facebook group, if anyone's not in it, uh, is on the link tree. Do join um, in terms of the other Facebook groups. It's certainly a lot more positive and a lot better in experience. Um, so... Do join that one there. Yeah, well, you know, we all know the infamy of some of the groups. Uh, but if you want to, if you're on Facebook and you want to chat about City in a, in a better way, <laughs> do ignore Nathaniel's Christmas tree is a bit of a weirdo. Um, <laughs> then do join the Amber Circle. Uh, obviously, our podcast yet are still available to buy off the S66 merchandise store. Um, it's the same price, thirty-five pound, uh, not including your postage and packaging. Uh, the away shirts available too. Um, the we have the. And his man club. Uh, so Rich Anderson's still doing his fundraiser where he's going to bike to Haunty and back. Um, I think he's nearly at £400 raised. So if anybody does want to try and jump on that and, and try and push that figure as close to 500 as we can get, um, I'll do another tweet out um, so you can get hold of him because he's doing it all. You won't be able to give us money for it. You've got to go direct to Rich to do it. Uh, so I'll put his details out for you to, to message and get involved. Uh, obviously, Andy's man club, we all know, is, is, is a men's mental health charity for giving a safe space for everyone to sit down and, and maybe have a, that all needed chat that, that people have so desperately needed in the future, but feel like they can't, um, you know, the stigma around men's and mental health, biggest killer of men under the age of 45. Uh, it's okay to be, to not be okay. Um, is the main point of that. Uh, and then obviously we are sponsored by six yards out and, um, the Pearson's bar. So, um, if any of you go to Pearson's bar on a match day, if you go to the Norwich game, pre post match bay, tag us in a, in a photo, have a word with Jimmy, see if he'll give you maybe a, a little incentive on a drink for you. Saying a, a discount. Saying Need you. a discount on there, don't you? Have, have, have a word. <laughs> have a word. See who he sent you. Um, so, yeah, but uh, thanks for joining me on this episode, Tom. Uh, yeah, no it's nice, to, nice to have a fresh face. Uh, yes. And thanks for joining me, as always, Nathaniel. Uh, Tom, um, uh, how's how's um, HCSE Hub and everything like that going? Is there anything that you want to... Um, we've, it's, we've just left it for months now. I think it's, it's got a bit of dust on it. But I mean, Ben, I think Ben's talked about bringing it back. Um, but he was on about doing articles and stuff. I mean, getting people to write. I mean, I tried that in the past, obviously a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, you, you contributed and so did Will, I think. Um, and a few people did like Ben. Um, it would be nice to sort of have like a space where people could write. So if anyone wants to start writing city content, HTFC hub, get at it. I think we're, you know, I think that's how we can resurrect it again. I think people start, you know, writing about their opinions and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, spot on. Um, oh, nice comment just to end it there. Well, good show for what I was able to tune in and see. Yeah, well, we try to go live every Thursday. It tends to be at the minute. Um, uh, we, we tend to. We've got the preview shows now. We're doing a lot more this season than we do, than we used to in the past. It was just podcast episodes, but now we've got Nathaniel running the preview episodes before every game with a, a member of the opposition, uh, a, a fan of the opposition. Sorry, um, chatting about more in depth, um, obviously about the game that's coming up, and then we try to review the games that have gone on and have a brief chat about what's coming up. But yeah, we've got the email list as well. If you're not subscribed to that, where you know uh, old Grandpa Joe Joe Collins, he does some uh, preview writing. Uh, match reviews for us. Try and send some emails out for everybody if you signed up. That uh, everything's on our link tree. So if you are following us on socials, just click on link tree. Have a look at what we've got. Um, we've got quite a bit on there for you to to contribute to if you want to be part of it. Uh, let us know. Uh, we're happy to just, you know use our email service if you want to write about city. You're free to do so. Just get in touch with us. But thanks for everybody for joining in again. This one it's been a really good episode. Uh, nearly an hour and a half. Uh, it's been an enjoyable one. Thank you. And hopefully we get. Another three points against Norwich on Saturday. Um, remain unbeaten in the league. That'll be quite positive considering the uh, the disaster of the Bradford game. Uh, but up the Tigers and thanks for joining us. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.